Right off the bat, that maybe Israel shouldn't have had a king. 
need to be careful sometimes that, that, that we ask for stuff and we don't know what we're asking for. And God's all the time going, you don't want that? We're going, yeah, I do. You don't want that? Yeah, I do. And God says, okay. And then you go, God, why'd you do this to me? Happens all the times in my life. So, Saul has completely rebelled against God. He has turned his back on God and disobeyed, blatantly disobeyed. And God says, I've rejected you as king and I'm going to choose somebody else. That gets us to 1 Samuel chapter 16. And as we talk about change and the time for change, I'm always amazed that when, I, when we talk about changing, how that people can justify any stupid behavior. Like today we're talking about change and how to know when to change and some principles floating around that. And when you talk about change, so I put my job. Why do you pay your bills? Well, you know, I'm just going to trust God. Well, yeah, God gave me hands to work. So, yeah. Well, you know, when you talk about change, so yeah, we're going to get a divorce. Well, you, that's the whole, that's what you let to? Really? From just talking about how we need to change things life, you jump to divorce? I understand you're already thinking about that. That is already brewing. But don't use this talk to jump to something wrong. And of all the things when we think about change, there are millions of positive things that we can change to. So why don't you move in that direction? That's what we're going to talk about today. So, how do I know? That's the first question. How do I know what to change? How do I know how to change? How do I know when to change? Change is inevitable. Can you get that? On the way to church this morning, I was looking at what I had on, and I thought, did I wear this shirt last Sunday? Did I? I don't remember. I have no clue. And I realized, maybe I should go home and change. And I was here, and there was work to do. I barely beat Roger here, and we're bringing stage down, set up chairs, and I'm going, I forget that. Maybe this is the only change of clothes I got. You don't know any different. Um, and I certainly wasn't wearing socks. So, because I've got to get my feet tanned. How important is that, right? Ladies. So, when you paint your nails, exactly. See, that's, that's what I'm saying. Um, change is going to happen all around you all the time. It's inevitable. Not all change is going to be good. Not all change is going to be easy. Not all change that you're going to run to or gravitate to. But it will happen. So we want to approach that in the right way. So how do I know? First Samuel 16, verse 1, and when it says 2a, if you read stuff and it has Bible verses, it says 1a or 2a. That's the first part of that verse. So in a big verse, it might be 2b or 2c. So that's because we're going to look at um, the second part of verse 2 here in a second. That's why it looks like that. Now you know. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected the name as king of Israel? Fill your heart with oil and be on your way. I have sent you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Now let's stop right there. Because this it introduces to us a principle that we may not like. God says, I've rejected somebody. That sounds harsh, doesn't it? I have rejected 
things on her neck. Ray would shake her hand, and you felt like it was in a vice. And so Ray pulls me to the side because I didn't have a choice, so he just pulls me over. And of course I go because he won't turn me loose. And he says, um, you with a new heifer. And I went, what did you say? Now Ray's a farmer, you know, I mean, Ray's a, Ray's a great guy, Ray's cattle and stuff. So he's like, yeah, it's a new heifer to get And I said, Ray, you should not say that. Please let go of my hand. Um, so it's just that old school farming, even though I'm inspired as being corny and silly. But every time I read this, I think you're ready to you. And now you will too. He says, Take whatever with you. So here's the ploy, Samuel. Just take a sacrifice with you. Go to Bethlehem and invite Jesse and his sons to, to the sacrifice. That's your out. God has a way of working out details. God has a way of and all the things that panic us and scare us and make us worry and we don't know how this is. Look, you don't know how anything is going to work out. You may think you do because you're a control freak. And you think they have to be a certain way and they have to do this and be that and when people come to the house and all that. And your car is looking you have no control. It's an illusion. And I know right now you're going, why did I come to this church? That man is a moron. He doesn't know me. You're right, I don't. But I don't need to know you. Tell me what one tell me one thing that you really have control over. Your job, your kids. Nobody who has kids believes they have control over them. If you think you have control over kids, that's because you don't have any. That's the only reason you would think that. Your spouse? Men don't tell her any different. Just let her think she has control. It's easier. It's less painful. You get to eat nice food and you get to golf when you want and stuff. Just let her think she's controlling you. She'll get you out of the house, make your boys mow the grass. It's beautiful. Other people, honey, it's other people. It's fine. That's what Brian told me. So, so God has this way of really working out details far greater than you and I are ever going to manipulate and con and scheme and try to get our way. So verse 4. Samuel did what the Lord said. What a great verse. Let's just stop with that phrase right there. You write it down wherever you're taking notes, and we can close in prayer. Samuel did what the Lord said. Do you understand how many problems in our lives disappear when we do what God says? Most of the therapy that you've ever gone through in your life disappears when you just did what God said. I'm not saying that every problem goes away, but if you would just do what God says, in all honesty, we would put most therapists and counselors out of business. Just do what God says. Just do it. Samuel does what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town, this, I always find this interesting, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They said, do you come in peace? I've read and I've studied. You know, the prophet from the town 
mystery-oriented. And it's about our perception, and it's about, so when God says, hey, don't look at his appearance, Samuel had, he had not learned his lesson. And you understand that until we learn our lessons, we will stay in school. If God is trying to teach you something, and you are not willing to learn it, you will stay in that classroom until you learn it. That's very, very simple. You will stay in that classroom until you learn what God is trying to teach you. You will not pass go. You will not collect $200. You will stay in that classroom until you learn what God is trying to teach you. And that is a source of frustration for us. Because we think we're smarter than we are. We think we're uh, more spiritual than we are. We think we love God more than we do. We think all, we believe all those lies. And yet we continue to stay in the same classroom because we are not learning. So God says to Samuel, don't look at how tall he is, Jake. Don't look at how handsome he is, Brian. Don't look. Don't do it. Don't do it. You continue to look on the outside, but I look on the inside. So let me ask you this very quickly this morning. What if all of a sudden everybody knew what you were like on the inside? I know, you just threw up a little bit in your mouth, didn't you? Maybe you're like, maybe here in church, I'd love for everybody to like on the inside. But tomorrow morning about 9 when I'm sitting in traffic. Or anytime nobody's around the sea, then I don't really. God says to Samuel, look, don't look on the outside. Man looks on the outside, but I look at their hearts. I look at what's on the inside. And his son, I reject him, the first one that shows up. That's it funny. But Samuel picks the first one. The first guy that shows up, he's like, that's right up the bear, right there, that's the thing. And as we know, that's from Tombstone. If you don't know what that is, shame on you. Rent Tombstone today. Watch it before next week. There'll be a test. The first guy that shows up, and I don't know if that's eager, if Samuel is just eager, it's like, man, let's get this over with, we need a new king, let's be done. Instead of being patient, saying, you've got my perspective is this, but you are smarter than we are, and your plans are better than ours, and I just need to be patient. That's why God says, you look on the outside, I look on the inside. So let me ask you this quick question. What is it that you focus on? What is it that you focus on? When you understand the simple truth about human nature, you will find what you're looking for. You will. If you're looking for a reason to get divorced, you will find a reason. If you're looking for reasons to work on your marriage, you'll find those reasons too. If you're looking for a reason to do the right thing, you'll find a reason to do the right thing. If you're looking for a reason to buy those shoes, or that 56 degree sandwich, you will find a reason to find that. Right, Libby? I mean, I see you at dicks all the time, looking at golf equipment, looking at wedges, and touching them, and slamming them. I see it all the time. I'm sorry, you didn't know that picture wrong. She's got a problem. If you're looking for a reason to do whatever it is, you'll find one. So the hook, the point, the 
objective is to make sure you're looking for the right things. Find a reason to do the right. Look for the opportunities to be good, to be kind. If that's what you're looking for, you'll find that. But if you're looking for a reason to be selfish, you'll find those easily. If you're looking for a reason to put yourself first, you'll find those easily. If you're looking for a reason to be wrong, you'll find those easily. What are you focused on? What are you focused on? So, I changed my perspective. And so, part of that time for a change is, is my outlook. Now, with any change, it may not be easy. It may not be fun. As a matter of fact, it may be difficult. So Samuel stands in Jesse's house, and he sees the first kid, grown man, tall, handsome, strong, the oldest son. And Samuel says, that's him. Let's go. God says, nah. So what happens next? We need to keep at it when it comes to change. Jesse had seven of his sons passed before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. But you can imagine, be dead here for a second. Just, uh, the, the prophet of God shows up in your house and one of your boys is going to be king. That's a big deal. You have done more than just hit the lottery. You, I mean, one of your kids would be king. You cannot find a prouder dad in all of Israel. And so after seven of them come by, and Jesse's going, And everyone, God says, right? Strike, strike, strike. I think all all the sons you have, they're they're still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he was tending the sheep. Samuel said, Sit for him, and we will not sit down until he arrives. And some of you think that you stand up too long to say. We sang a song this morning and said, I lift my voice and my hands to show my love. Oh. You pay attention to what you're saying. I lift my voice and my hands to show my love. Consider that you should be raising your hands to show your love. Don't don't bullcrap me about why it's you worship. You're gonna hate heaven. I'm just telling you, heaven is gonna be worshipped nonstop. I'm the only one worthy of it. True story. Read the book of Revelation. True story. I lift my voice in my hands to show my love. And you think you stand up too long. Again, you're going to hate heaven. Now I know you don't get tired of heaven. I get that. Samuel says, is this all your kids? No, I got one more, but I really didn't think he was worth showing up. I didn't think he was worth getting in here. That's the implication from that. We didn't even call him. He's up taking care of the worst job we got. 
thinks more of you than you think of you, and God thinks more of you than anybody else thinks of you. And that is fantastic. That God believes in you whether you believe in Him or not. That God has fantastic things for your life to be doing. Wherever it is that God puts you. And so, um, He said, and had it brought in, He was ready with a fine pants and handsome features. And the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. He is the one. What a fantastic story. David is the man, is the, the only person in the entire Bible that says he is a man after my own heart. I want you to understand as we close that God's power is waiting on you. And we understand that from the last part of the story. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. From that day on, God said, David, you are the one I want to do this thing. I will, I will choose no one else, and my power is on you. God's power is waiting. Waiting for you to obey, waiting for you to step up and go. Okay, God, my life belongs to you. I will do what you say, when you say, with whoever you say. And God's power is waiting on you. Understand, this is not about being here talking to you. This is about you tomorrow at the office. This is about you at school in a couple months. This is about you at work tomorrow. This is about you at home tonight. That God's power is waiting on you to obey. That's it. God's power is waiting on you. From that moment on, the Spirit of the Lord was on David with power. And he probably still stank from being up with the sheep and the campfires and the muck and the mire. How tempted are you to believe that where you are now is the best that God can do for you? You know, nobody knows who I am. Nobody knows I made coffee. Did you make coffee because somebody, did you want somebody to tell you you were great? Then you made coffee for the wrong reason. Did you work with kids? Did you want somebody to go, oh, thank you so much, we couldn't have done it without you? Because the truth is, somebody probably already has done it without you. And some people do it without you in the future. If you're doing it for those reasons, it's wrong. It's just wrong. God's power is waiting to fall on you. And it's just simple obedience. It's just simple obedience. And by that, I don't say that obeying is simple. I don't. It's because it's not. But it's not. It's very tough. But without it, there is no power. There is no power without it. Change comes all the time, all around us. It's, it's going to happen. Well, whether I embrace it, whether I make the right choices, whether I move in the direction God is changing me, all that stuff, it's a matter of me obeying. It's a matter of you obeying. It's a matter of you saying, oh God, I could be doing other stuff, but I need to be here with you now. I could be reading the paper, but I should be reading my Bible. I could be doing all kinds of other things, but I should be praying for such and such. You should, uh, you should be praying for me. 
Thank you.